Hey, it's Berman and Dean, and today on the podcast, we're talking about working under insane weather conditions. Also, we're going to be discussing quotations for jobs and projects, which is everybody's pain and suffering. Uh, and Berman and I discuss slash argue about a new piece of gear I'm thinking about buying. Yeah, just don't buy it. Oh, really? Okay. Don't buy okay. it. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, let's roll the show. Okay, welcome to the show. I'm Dean. And this is Berman. And we are the Video Twins, and we're back with another episode here. Yeah, we're excited. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, we're sort of changing things up a little bit. We're going to be alternating interview episodes with sort of discussion episodes that you and I have about topics that maybe we found a lot of people are asking us about. You know, our friends, colleagues, we're always talking about this stuff, and it gets heated sometimes. And, you know, in general, it's very interesting. So we'd like to share that stuff with you. We're passionate. We're very, very passionate. So this episode of How I Got This Gig is brought to you by the Video Twins, a.k.a. Berman and I. So if you visit us over at videotwins.com, that you'll, you'll find that we've started to produce a lot more original content. And uh, we're just going to... What do we got over there, Berman? Well, we got our podcast, of course, that you guys are listening to right now. We have these video makeovers that we're doing those are exciting we're getting a lot of uh, feedback on that stuff well the video production makeover is basically people who follow us i guess can submit their video to us and we'll kind of review it and uh encourage them where it's doing great and help them fix things that are not working so great and we've got some great ones that have come in so you know tune in check out what we have so far we got more coming yeah and then we have another regular segment called on location on location that's right that's where uh, we show behind the scenes of one of our shoots, and we show you the gear set up, and we walk through lenses and settings and lighting. Yeah, and the beauty of that one is uh, we show a lot of tips and tricks and everything, you know? Yeah. Sometimes our, our budgets aren't big. We're, <laughs> our, we're just like you guys. So <laughs> Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that's all over at videotwins.com. You can check us out, and there's all sorts of resources there that you can use. Videotwins.com. All right, Berman, so uh, let's move right into the show then. We had an incredibly insane shoot in Elgin County, for Elgin County, uh, in March. <laughs> it was insane because we didn't plan on it being insane. We were a little bit unprepared. Yeah, more unprepared than we usually are, I guess, both creatively, I think, and we can talk about that, but also sort of uh, weather-wise. It was March, and the week before, I think, was like just a, a very warm week yes and we kind of got adapted to that and then we had to shoot the following week and it completely did a 180 on us yeah i mean weather wise even a day before when i was checking the weather report it was fine it wasn't too cold you know so i i, I brought the clothing that i needed you know dressed accordingly but when the morning came that wasn't the case no, and we had to travel for this, so there wasn't like just go back to the house and get something. It was like you were there, and uh, we were doing a spot for Elgin County Tourism, and it was promoting maple syrup. And the funny thing about maple syrup is really, I think nobody knows when maple syrup happens. Well, I didn't. I did not. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were like, okay, so like it's March, and we're going to film maple syrup, then I guess we're sort of faking everything, because this really happens in the fall, right? And I right. was like, no, maple syrup happens in the spring. That's when the trees 
run with sap. So <laughs> that was the first thing to overcome. Yeah. And then the second thing is, and we had talked to client and we had said, you know, we want to really have a great solid story for you. But they weren't so much concerned with story as they were with volunteer actors that were going to be in this video. And we had discussed a little bit about this in, in Jesse Sanko's podcast, where we talked about working with amateur talents versus professional talents and, and the reasons that clients choose to go with either. And the reason our client chose to go with amateur was just convenience, also maybe politically getting certain people from their office in and stuff like that. So you went in, you were directing this and I was shooting this, and you went in with a pretty clear storyboard of how you wanted to do this, but what happened? Well, when we got there, and well, leading up to it, things were changing constantly. And when we got there, the talents that we expected or assumed were, were coming, they weren't the same talents. They weren't. The characters, like, you know, young family with two kids or uh, grandparents or whatever they had originally set just kept changing. So now it was like, okay, we don't have a husband, wife, and child. We now have mother, child, and grandfather. Right. So all these transitions that you had kind of come up with that maybe showed a story of sort of families growing up uh, just was blown apart. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're used to knowing who our talents are, uh, working with, um, uh, you know, even with wardrobe and all that stuff. But leading up to it, because they were changing, we didn't have any time for any of that. I mean, I mean even wardrobe at times weren't really ideal. So there no. were a lot of challenges. We were no, we were, no not at all. Well, because you were talking about the one father showed up in full camouflage. Yeah, and, and I, I was, and him. you were like, you were, <laughs> we you couldn't, couldn't see him. We were like, well, how, where do we shoot him? <laughs> but I was like, dude, that's totally authentic. That's how people out here dress. But it was not kind of matching your visual <laughs> aesthetic. I think. Um, no. And then there, you you know, the client would come up and we're just about to shoot and he'd say, okay, or she would say, the father doesn't want to stay longer than an hour. The father wasn't even planning to be in the shot, I think. And I think she talked to him and he was kind enough to stick around for us and give us an hour of his time, which is, then we had to work around that time. Only an hour, how do I shoot a family that I needed for three hours in one hour's time? So we were just, just juggling and scrambling and just trying to get shots as opposed to get the story we initially wanted. Right. So I kind of, as my job, I, I don't know if this is exactly right, but I kind of, you know, pulled the client aside and I kind of said, there are some barriers here. There are some obstacles by continuing to change this. You know, we're going to roll with it, but you're, it's, uh, it's make, it's costing us more time and we are losing the story thread by changing these characters. And I just want to make you aware of that, that we're going to work our best to get something out of this for you. But, but, but. How did how did she respond? Did I, oh, I, she didn't care. She was she, just like, "Yeah, you got an hour with the father. Move, go." I mean, I love her. She's wonderful. Yeah, they're great clients. They love our work. We love working with them. But this is just one of those challenges, and we just want it so bad. You know, we want a powerful piece for them. But then when you start moving all these pieces within the piece, yeah, it doesn't become as powerful as you, your original vision. Yeah, and I'm sure it's not her fault, the client's fault. I'm sure there's a lot of things they're juggling. And, and the fact that they were just trying to get us a talent was already, you know, we're grateful for that already. So they they were not trying to do it in spite of us. They were just trying to get us talents. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's the challenge when you have volunteer amateur talent. Yeah, You're just going to get so much time with them. They're going to be slower because they don't know, well, what do you mean open up to camera? Or what do you mean stand here? Or, you know, 
Why am I? What do you mean I'm blocking her? <laughs> it's unnatural, right? It's, right? All the things they're doing is like this is not what I do in real life. This is really fake. What they don't understand is what is fake looks great on camera. So that's right. And so we had that that we had to battle with, and then again back to this weather. You know, we were not we were not prepared, and uh, there was a three man crew. It was you, me, and Chris Atkins, who's great kind of swing guy to have on on set there he does everything he's great with the gear and he brings his drone but we were freezing out there and we were trying he's trying to pull focus and you could just hear us you said you're editing it and you could just hear me (laughs) 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 you know you just and then we had children we had to be careful with the children not to have them outside so long yeah i don't have children so i don't get it (laughs) (laughs) he was just like just keep going just keep going rub your hands together just keep going (laughs) just keep going spit on it i don't know (laughs) But yeah, it was freezing cold. So when we're trying to like quickly move on the fly, trying to figure out how to change the story or, uh, you know, capture what we need since everything's changing, it's really hard to think. All you're thinking is I need to get out of this outdoor into some kind of heat. And I'm watching you. I mean, Dean was the cameraman. He was a DP. And you know, operating camera, you need your fingers exposed in the elements. You know, you got the wind chill and everything. And I can see you struggling. And I felt so bad. It's kind of, you're looking at me, is that the shot? Is that good enough for you? I'm like, yeah, it's it's, it's okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Let's move on. Uh, it was it was funny because you had your freezing hands. I brought the wrong shoes. I was just in running shoes, but it was like negative, I can't remember, negative six or something. And my feet were cold. The, with us combined, we had one incoherent human being. Yeah, like I don't know what we were just rambling about or just trying, and we probably looked angry just because we were so cold. Angry, cold men, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. But I saw the rough cut, you sent me over the rough cut because you edited it, and uh, I think it looks great. Yeah, the shots were great. You know, I was expecting a lot of shakes and everything, but there wasn't, so congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. You held on to the camera, you did well. Yeah, so people have to keep an eye on our blog. We'll release it up on there, and I'm sure we'll be promoting it around. Probably won't go out till next year, though, uh, but because uh, uh, it is maple syrup, and so it will go out next spring to promote their maple syrup. You mean it doesn't happen in the fall? It doesn't happen in the fall, <laughs> but you can enjoy maple syrup all year round. All right, well, let's move on to our main topic of today, which is something you and I discuss a lot in our businesses, and um, I lack a certain amount of confidence with it, but you have a certain amount of confidence and I'm always kind of going to you going, well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And how are you doing this? And how are you doing that? And this is all about quoting on jobs and projects. I don't know if it's like confidence. I think it's just like, do you think it's from your time in the agency where it was just so like you, you just, you, they really break it down to a science and they have hard and fast rules and you stick by those rules, whether you get the job or not, or do the job. Is it from that or what? I think it's a bit of that. And also, I had to deal with a lot of uh, quotations when I was back at Fox uh, National Geographic. So all those all those uh, places that I worked in uh, really helped kind of form some sort of idea of how to approach it. There's no there's no real formula, to be honest with you. It is experience repetition. You know, the more of these you see, the more of these you do. Uh, the better you are in terms of reacting to the situation. It's always different. It's almost like a shoot. Every shoot you go right. in is going to be different. You don't go in and go, okay, it's the same thing, blah, blah, blah. There's always going to be things that you react to and then you draw from past experience to find a solution. Yeah, I think that's the biggest challenge for video production companies. You know, we view videos as very custom, right? We, we got a lot of creativity. Everyone is unique, but the client kind of sees them as, well, a lot of videos are the same. 
so what does this video cost? And then, you know, you're kind of like, well, you know, it can really vary. Like, what are the talents that you have? What are the locations you have? There are all these different things. So, but once you get more experience and once you get doing more productions, you can look back at previous productions and then use them as a reference to tweak your quote, get it right. That also speaks uh, the same for clients themselves. You know, if the client is like the first time ever creating a video, they also have issues trying to understand and digest how you quote for them. But if you've worked it with them a few times, they're going to start understanding the formulas that you're using uh, and the structure you're putting the quote down on, and it gets easier. So it, I think it's both sides. You know, you have yeah. to, when you're quoting, you have to understand who your client is, uh, you know, how much experience they have dealing with this stuff. Uh, before you can actually start and and start you know providing some sort of quote. How do you establish your rates? So I think uh, the way I do it is I look at obviously my own experience, how many years I've had in in the industry, how much I've done, uh, and you try to gauge it with what's out there as well. Like you could say whatever your value is, but if everybody out there is now charging a different rate, you can't charge that rate anymore. That's right. So that's one key thing. So you have to kind of do research on your competition. You know, how much are they charging? And then for some people who are really just first starting out, you really have to say, okay, well, now I have moved into this industry. You know, previously I was doing this and that. Um, the basic thing you could start do, uh, start is to compare hourly wages or, or what your salary was if you were working in your previous job and start questioning how much are you worth or you're willing to do with this. So you'd have to take that, you know, say if you were before this, you were a, I don't know, a Starbucks barista and you're making $20, $25 an hour. So you have to start saying, okay, if I Baristas make that much? I don't know. I I would assume (laughs) they're, what is the minimum wage wage right now in Canada? $14 now in Canada. $14 in Canada. Everybody. Probably California too, I think it's something like that or Washington. so, So I'm thinking what, like... If you're a barista, you're you're more senior, you're doing well, twenty dollars. I'm guessing. I don't know. Sure, sure. Sure. So you look at that, you multiply that by the hours that you put into in a day, and then that would be your initial day rate, you know? And you have to say, okay, well, is this are you more experienced? Do you start adding to that? Then you have to start adding your competition to see how much they're charging to come up with an hourly rate that makes sense and you multiply that. And that would be like the easiest and most basic way to sign kind of like set your your day rate. Problem with that though is what if you're a marketing manager for a big brand and you make 150k a year and all of a sudden you're tired of being in the corporate world, you want to be a video producer and go freelance, you're not going to be able to come up use that same equation to come up with your day rate if you're moving into a space that you really don't have that much experience in. Absolutely. That's why like if you move from there and there, you have to understand you're going to take a pay cut. You're going to take a pay cut. You're going to take a pay cut. And what are you thinking getting out of that job and moving into production? Have you not listened to us or something? What's going on here? I'll trade jobs with you. <laughs> I know, but a lot of people think, and maybe it is a bit true, that our jobs are fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Um, but like any job, like you, not all jobs pay high right off the bat. You know, a producer, there's a dime a dozen out there. Good ones, they're not that many. And that's where those are the ones who actually make, you know, a much better living out of this job. Um, it's not because they're lucky. It's because they work their ass off to get the salary that they have. So you go from marketing, you're a high-end marketer, and you're making this much money. If you come here, don't expect that same. You're going to have to go through the same dues as everybody else. This is yeah. not an easy gig. It's enjoyable. 
it's rewarding, but it takes a lot of time and a lot of hours to get to, you know, where maybe even you and I, we're still not there yet sometimes. No, I, think, I know. You know, I don't think we're yeah. ever going to be there, but... <laughs> always learning. We're always learning, always learning, yeah. And for me, when I'm coming up with my rate, I guess I'm go- looking at what's going on around me. And then I try to be very competitive with that. So I try to go a little bit under under that because I like to keep the business coming in. I like to keep busy. Right. And then I kind of add in any additional equipment where I can, because as I'm building my gear, that's stuff that I can rent to the production as we do it. So there's more sort of margin there. Can I disagree with you? Yeah, go ahead. When you say that, this is where I always come in and tell you you're wrong. Yeah. Now, you're not completely right. Like, there's absolutely a lot of right in that. But sometimes... I feel like you undervalue yourself. You're like, okay, well, the competition is charging this much. Therefore, I'm going to charge just a little bit less to be competitive. But the truth is your competition is your experience because you're comparing yourself to like uh, people who have a lot less experience in what you're doing. And sometimes I feel like by doing that, you're you're putting a, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. Okay, this is absolutely, absolutely. This is the big conflict that I struggle with, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there that struggle with. You know, I will sometimes just throw gear in, in a package rate, just to be competitive and get that job. Now, I don't take every job. I don't take every job, that's for sure. I say no to jobs. If I think the client is way too high maintenance, or it's not worth our time in the long run for the money, I I won't take the job. I want. you have a hard time doing it, though, because I could see you just really wanting to help everybody. (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes, I know, I know, but it's hard, you know, and then you've got a client that comes to you and they say, yeah, well, you know, this guy over here, his, I get the whole video for $1,000 and you're, you're like three times more than that. And then I've, you know, I try to explain, you know, what you're buying with me is almost like insurance that it's going to be done right and it's going to be a certain level and you're not going to have to go back and redo anything. That other one, you probably it's not going to be up to the quality that our stuff is. And you may end up having to do it again. Yeah. There's, you also have to ask the question, how can they do it for that rate? I know. And to be honest with you, I think there's a lot of people out there, especially those who are starting out, they need to prove themselves. So I'm sure sometimes they're doing it at a loss. You know, they could do it maybe the first couple of times, but after a while, they're not going to be able to do that because they got to recuperate the loss. And it's absolutely fine for people starting out to go that route because, you know, it's kind of like paying for school. Yeah. You know, you need to get some projects that are done well under your belt so that you could prove to other people that you're worth, you know, the money. But you can get trapped by that. You can get trapped by that. Absolutely. And that's the biggest thing. I've had so many people come up to me and go, okay, we, you know, we started, we've been doing it for a year now. We got a a couple of great clients and everything, but we can't sustain this anymore. Like, what do you mean? It's like, yeah. well, we've been charging this. And obviously, you know, it's a very low rate because we've been trying to prove ourselves. And and now they come back with more stuff and we can't continue doing it. What do I do? How do I talk to these clients? And the reality is there, you know, there's two ways that I see it. First, you have to be either realistic and honest with your client and let them know. And sometimes you have to let them know right from the get-go so they don't start assuming that that's the industry rate. Right. You know, right off the bat, hey, you know, uh, you know we really want to work with you. We love what you're doing. Uh, you know, so we're going to give you a, a discounted rate. You know, this is not a rate that we can uh, continue in the future. But if you let us have your business this time around, we'd love to do it for this. And you start with that. And later on, you know, remember we had this conversation to uh, to continue. We're going to have to charge a little bit more for us to be sustainable. Some clients will understand. Some clients will be not very nice. But those are clients that you're going to have to filter out. Yeah. 
you know, there's a lot of times where I tell people, you know, uh, how do you do it? This client is impossible. There's no way you can increase the rates. Well, you grow to a client that can afford your rate. Sometimes you have to let clients go. You can't always keep them forever. You know, if it's going to draw you down, if you're not going to make money off of them, you can't. As much as you like them, you can't. You have to move on. That's right. No, that's very true. We've been lucky enough to be in business, what, six six years now? So that's... Six years. That's, that's pretty good for... It's very good for production houses, especially in Toronto. They don't last very long. That's what I've learned. Yeah, that's why we're not in Toronto. We're out in the country. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's why I don't want to start my own company. I just want to free freelance because I know it's just going to close in two years. It's tough. It's tough. There's a lot, you know, because when you're quoting on a job and when you're pricing it, you, you, you can't just price the hours that you're on set with them and the hours editing. I have equipment. I have staff. I have their benefits to pay for. I have insurance to pay for, liability insurance. I have vehicles. I have subscription stuff that for supplies that we have to, to pay for. There's a lot of costs that are kind of built into running a company, you know, bookkeepers, yeah. all that stuff. You've got to factor that in your rate or you're just going to run out of money. Yeah. And the challenge is a lot of clients don't see all those little things, right? They just see your hours on set, your hours in post-production. They don't see all the extra costs. You know, even the cost of pitching for a job, right? We could be three, four hours, sometimes a day for a bigger job, designing a deck, you know, searching photos. Here's a, here's a big one too. You know, I value the creative that I put into a spot. That has its own value to me. It's hard to price that in. You've got to find a way to get that in there because people are like, well, I'll just get a cameraman and an editor and I got a video. But what about all the creativity, thought that went into creating a concept that works and, and is going to you know, impact the viewer? There's, you got to pay for that. Yeah, even till now, you know, people that I work with still don't really value creative. That's always the case. That's why, that's why like, I mean, writers, it's gotten better now, but writers in Hollywood, they were never really um, valued for the longest time. They didn't get no. paid properly and everything. It's a director's world. Yeah, but the writers, man, I'm telling you, man, people that can write, they're valuable. Like, I, I, have, to, I have to give it to you, Dean. Like, you can write, and that's the reason why I cling on to you. Oh, thank you. And you can quote Berman, which is why I cling on to you. <laughs> now you understand why the video two, twins was formed. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so what do you do? You've got your rates, you know, it's you, uh, uh, your day rate, your editing, all that. Okay, here's a question then. Um, do you mark up uh, any materials or expenses or subcontractors that you hire for your job? Uh, yes, I do. And the reason why I do is because me going out there to find the freelancer, for example, takes time. Me working with the freelancer, making sure that they're on the same page, all that stuff that happens behind the scene takes time. So, you know, I have to charge a bit of markup. I also have to, you know, pay them before before I get paid by clients. So there's also like the, the money issue that I have to deal with. So financing, you are basically financing a production until you get paid. I have a lot of clients that, you know, don't end up paying for, you know, a good three months to six months, which I think is crazy. But I think that's business. You know, that's the one thing that it's, it's true. I, I personally yeah. think it's business. I want to provide a service for a client where they don't have to worry about someone constantly negative. But of course, it's not all clients, you know, it's clients that I trust. And luckily, thankfully, I have clients that have been good. So, you know, I'll take that kind of hit in terms of the financing of the project until I get paid. So all that stuff, I need a bit of a markup so so that I can recuperate the cost that I have to put into. So what's a good 
uh, range for markup on this kind of stuff? A range of markup for this stuff, I would say, goes from anywhere between, uh, I would say, you know, on average, like maybe 10%. A ten percent markup on everything would be a okay. fair markup, but you know there there are things where I would mark up just a little bit for contingency as well. Every time a freelancer comes to me and says, "Okay, well, you know this stuff is going to cost extra, and it's rightfully so," you know maybe it, it required more time and stuff like that. I don't want to because there's so many working pieces to a, a production. I don't want to go to the client and go, okay, well, because of this happened, this is going to increase by this much. This is going to increase. And then I constantly, because it's constantly happening. So I would always put a bit of a buffer into my quote so that when this stuff happens, I don't need to bother client. It's taken care of. But having said that, I also, for a large part of the stuff, if, if I quoted that and it comes under or way under what I quoted, I tend to give the client, you know, a break on that. So on the final quote, uh, final invoice, I would say, well, this is stuff we'd actually never use. So that doesn't be, that's not included. So there are a few times where my final invoice is cheaper than my quote. And you have to be honest with I that. think that's great. Yeah. And I think clients like that. If clients see that, they're like, okay, well, you know, that's proof that you're being honest with them and you're not trying to, you know, overprice everything. Yeah, I think that's true. I think there are people out there. I know for a fact that there are people out there that when a quote is approved, that's the final invoice. Right. You know, that they'll be billing that no matter if they didn't spend up to that. So yeah, it's yeah. interesting. I'm kind of from the same school as you. If I can give something back to the client, I give it back, you know, yeah. and help we, you out. We didn't earn it. So why are we charging yeah. it, right? So now that's changes on your side. Like if something changes with your makeup girl, let's say she called in sick, you got to bring in another one, but she charges more. Okay, that's going to raise the cost of production. But let's say client makes changes. What do you do about that? Clients make changes. Uh, I'm guessing you're talking about, like, say, for example, post-production? Or let's say they first you quoted on two actors and then they've had a change and they say, no, we need another actor in there. Right. So in that case, it would... the. Hopefully in your quotation, you've had, you know, how much an actor costs and you're multiplying by two and that's your, that's your final cost. So they want more, just go, okay, well, we're going to have to add cost. I mean, that's very understandable cost, you know, to add. So yeah, clients are pretty good about that. I've had them like where they've asked me to quote on something and they've kept it super, super tight. Like it's just a very limited budget. We can do what we need to do, but there's just no margin. They've just, you know, everything's focused on a very tight budget and then all of a sudden they get into maybe post-production and then they've got all these crazy ideas and they want to expand everything and then they just throw money at it <laughs> oh wow okay if i have to go to them and ask for money it's very yeah. hard but if they're like no forget it just do it a lot of times they're just like yeah whatever just just do it just do right. it yeah what about package rates because those are pretty popular in our industry where someone says you know i have x amount of money maybe i have three thousand dollars and i've Gonna want, I want to get as much out of them as I can. I mean, that is going to toy with your rates and your expenses and your markup of those expenses. How do you deal with those? Uh, the first thing I do is I have to make sure that my fixed expenses are covered. So if I'm bringing in cameraman, bringing in uh, makeup and all this stuff, I have to make sure that those rates, I mean, I'll first obviously negotiate with them to see if I can get a better rate. They'll, give, they'll come back to me with either a better rate or the same rate. Once I calculate that, I'll still have to look at, okay, how much uh, does that mean in terms of my time and what my rate is and see if it's worth it. Um, I would probably do it if there, it's a client that I'm, I want to keep in the long run because sometimes in the long run, you, you make that money back. You, it's better than just having the one-off. I mean, there's a lot of clients that they're always going to come and ask for a package rate that 
that it's going to be difficult for you to to sustain. So you have to ask yourself, is this worth it? If you're thinking, okay, yeah, they're going to, you know, they'll, maybe they'll come back and spend more next time. Sure. But if this is That's a, a tricky that, one. It's a tricky one, right? And if That's a client, very tricky one. You know that client's not going to, like a lot of clients would just go, well, you spent, you charged me this much last time. Why won't you charge this again? And, you know, then you're kind of in the situation where, okay, now you're always doing a favor and now your new regular rate is a discounter rate then you're, you know, it doesn't work out. So I'm very leery of those kind of proposals. I tend to not take on jobs like that, where, you know, I have to do a really sort of uh, limited budgeted one now in the hopes of getting more work because a lot of things can happen between now and that other work. And if they're a big enough company, if they're going to have the money, they should be having the money now. And we should be able to do what we do and get compensated properly. And I'll only take those kind of jobs if I really believe in the project. And sometimes my attitude is just, we'll just do it because I believe in the project and we'll just do it. And usually those are ones that I'm sort of inspired creatively. And I just say, yeah, I can make things happen for you. Right. I don't actually take it that often. Yeah. To be honest with you, I, you know, the rates, because I feel like our rates are relatively fair. They're actually pretty good compared to the industry out there. So yeah, they're totally competitive. Yeah. I feel like you, you coming with me, you're pro you're already getting a great discount. Yeah, I don't want to call it a discount, but you are compared to everybody else. So, if I go any lower, I like the only reason why you do it is because you're competing with someone else. Yeah, or you're doing it because uh, if they don't do it, they won't shoot a video at all, right? Mm. But to me, it's like if you're not if you don't do it, they're not going to shoot a video at all. Chances are they probably don't have money to be a repeat client. And to me, I prefer a repeat client than a one off. Do your rates change then? Okay, we talk about packages, but do they change from client to client or job to job? This is the kind of the dirty little secret that we probably shouldn't be talking about, but I'm going to ask you. Not really. For me, no. And I know we've talked about this before. You're like, really? It doesn't? It doesn't? And the truth is, no. I Sometimes if it's a project that I really want to do, I'll just do it. And you know, maybe I might not even charge anything. And I'd rather just do it because of the passion project than to pull my rate down. Because I feel like I want to keep what my value is consistent throughout and I want to be fair to all my clients. If my one client finds out that the other client is getting a better deal, that could be an issue. So how do you do your pricing? Well, I, I do do a little bit of what they call dynamic pricing. And I'm just going to give you a definition of this. It's the practice of pricing items at a level determined by a particular customer's perceived ability to pay. Kind of, a little bit. Um, because the dirty little secret is if we just locked in, I think our rates and budgets, and you can disagree with this, it, it, it would be harder to stay in business. You're, it would be really tough. You've got staff, you've got to keep them working. You've got cash flow issues. You've got to keep money coming in. So it's kind of like airplane pricing. You know, if you get in a plane and you talk to the person next to you, everybody paid something different based on the time that they booked or whatever outlet they used and stuff like that. For me, the biggest factor is your physical location. Uh, if you are a local company and you want to hire us, I am more flexible with my rates for you. But if I have to travel and go overseas yeah. or, you know, somewhere, I will charge a different rate. Right. And it's sometimes those bigger clients... They're, they're, they're not paying more than my regular rate. They're, they're just paying my regular rate. But I have more flexibility with smaller jobs. 
Right. Some of it has to do with me not being so involved on the production. My staff can handle it, so I can uh, I can give a better rate. But if it means all my time, then I've got to charge that higher rate. Look, all of us together, big clients, small clients, allow us to stay in business. And I think that's something that we kind of have to accept. I mean, video production can be very, very expensive. doesn't mean those other clients get exactly the same thing as the bigger clients get for the cheaper price, but I do have some flexibility there. See, right there, you pretty much just explained that you're not charging less. You're finding other ways to give the person a, a, a lower rate. Oh, okay, good. So I'm all right then. Yeah. All You're right. all right. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so that's the point, right? So, I mean, if you go back to what, what I do, sometimes if their rates are lower, I'll have to look for a cinematographer that has a lower rate. Yeah. And that lower rate cinematographer might be less experienced or come with less gear than, you know, the guy that I normally use. So yes, it's a lower rate, but they're getting something different. True. You know, the, the only thing that still remains is that they get my expertise behind the whole thing. But like you said, for what you're doing, sometimes it's like you're not editing the piece, uh, but you are overlooking it. So you could spend less of your time. So the rates are still the same. It's a matter of uh, for that price, what can you give that's still considered a Dean Rainey product? Right. Okay. Good. Okay. So the key there, though, is to just stick with what you charge as best you can. Yeah. And build the productions and the budgets to match the clients. I know that sounds a little common sense, but sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Okay, so when you're quoting on jobs, how do you deal with the fact that a lot of times the brief we're given, if we're even given a brief, is basically, oh, we need two 90-second videos. How do you you begin to work with that to come up with an actual dollar figure? When a client comes to you with that kind of question, you could obviously know that they haven't done video production or else they wouldn't be asking such a vague question. Um, So in that case, you're gonna have to get into more like a teaching mode where you're working with a client to bring them up to speed, to give them the understanding of how production works. Indirectly, you're drawing out a brief from them. So you have to say, well, you know, uh, 90 seconds, you know, if you get Michael Bay to do it, it's gonna cost you a lot more than say your local teenager from, from the local high school. There's a big range, so we have to kind of understand. Really? I always thought Michael Bay was pretty much like my local high school Oh, he's student. a bargain. He's a bargain. <laughs> With explosions and, you know. It's the explosions that cost money. In fact, he works I guess, for free. Yeah. <laughs> it's the explosions that cost. Exactly. It's the awesomeness you're paying for. Exactly. So you really have to start working with a client and go, okay, well, we need to figure out what the story is, how you kind of want to, you know, what exactly the video is for. You have to draw out that thing. And, and don't be afraid to do that. A lot of people are afraid to just, you know, bother the client with questions. But I think clients will appreciate that if you come from an area of, uh, of experience. You know what I mean? They will this respect would... this. Like, oh, these are good questions. I never thought about these. Yeah. And, and this is like almost like free consulting if you know what you're talking about. Right. This is a great time to plug our creative brief, which is available on our website, videotwins.com. You can go there and download a PDF form, and it is basically just a question-answer thing that you can give to the client, and they can fill out. Okay, here's what I recommend. Don't do that, because they'll never fill it out. Yes, Clients do hate not do these that. things. Print it off and take it to your first meeting with your client and ask them the questions on the sheet and fill in the answers. And on there, you know, you'll get help them get clear on the audience they're trying to reach, where it's going to be distributed, 
what kind of elements are going to be involved, all kinds of stuff. And then you can take that and you can come up with a concept based on that. And then you can quote on that. And that is our creative brief available for download at the videotwins.com website. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about quotes here. And here's my biggest question and my biggest kind of irk is like, how much detail do you put in a quote? Because I've gotten different quotes from you for different jobs. And sometimes I'll get a detailed quote where it will say all the individual crew people on set, equipment used, and I will see a rate associated with each uh, line item, and I will see an hourly rate and an and a, and a estimate of hours, and I will see all of that. Then there are other times where I get a quote from you, and it'll just be a flat fee. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? What's the details? The ones that are flat fee are usually ones where, you know, I'm working with a third-party vendor, and they're giving me a package rate, you know? Yeah, so. Okay. Uh, a lot of those times is like graphics. I, I work with a lot of graphic artists out there who do, do graphic packages and stuff like that. And some of them will break it down. Some of them will just go, okay, well, this is my time because they do everything. And I think those who break it down are because they may have a few people working under them. Maybe they're a company. So they could tell you what the breakdown is. But there nowadays, there's a lot of freelancers that do everything themselves. And for them, it's just, well, those are hours I put into. Like I could say it's rotoscoping. I can say it's color grading. But really, it's just my hours and this is how much it's worth. Or maybe they don't do hours. They just like, okay, well, something like this, this is this is how much I normally charge. So there's no breakdown. And that's the reason why some of the quotes I give you don't have that. Now, the question is, you know, when do you decide to give more detail to a quote? And when do you decide not to? It depends on how much experience your client has. So if the client is a seasoned vet and has done, you know, has produced a lot of video content, they will probably want to see a little bit of breakdown so that they know if you know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, let me, you could look to me because I'm a client of yours mm -hmm. when I hire you for graphics and that. And I, it, it's, when I get the quote and it's just like a flat fee, I'm like, okay, well, I have no idea how to value this. I, know, I have no idea how many hours went into this. I have no idea what someone's rate per hour is so that I can value sort of the time spent. Also, it would help me on future quotes to kind of know if, you know, where they're kind of coming in. Well, that one was a 30-hour job. Well, this one's only a 10-hour job. You know, something like that. It's, it's hard for me to, to put a, a value at that. It's kind of like, oh, where did that figure come from? What do graph, where do the, what do graphic artists get paid? You know, or what's this guy? It is, where is he in the market? Yeah, I think the problem with that right now with uh, the industry, and this really goes more for post-production and graphics, not so much for crew, uh, is that it's all over a place right now. Yeah. They, I think even they don't know how to value themselves. So they just feel like this is what it's worth. This is what the other guy is charging for something like this. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll go online, they'll find something, they'll find out how much that costs, but they themselves don't know what that breakdown is. And them as graphic artists, they'll just go, okay, well, for something like that, I'm going to charge this. So even they don't have a breakdown. And I think that's just where the way the industry is because of freelancing. You see a lot of people sitting at Starbucks nowadays, everybody's mm. working for themselves. And that's where this is coming from in terms of breakdown for post-production. Will you try hard to get me a little bit more detail on my quotes? No, no. <laughs> okay. If I'm giving you a disc, if I'm trying to give you a disc, actually, you know, here's the other thing, right? Sometimes I, I'll get something and if I start asking for a discount, they're just off the top of the head lopping off costs. They're not saying, okay, for this item, I'm going to discount this much. Overall, they're just giving me a thing. And that becomes a package rate. 
right? So when I'm dealing with these people, usually uh, it's not the first time. So therefore, what moves forward is a package rate for me for something like that, which I prefer because I can control the cost of you know how much it, revisions and stuff are. I guess that's an important positive, yes, to the package rate is that it may appear that that is kind of locked in and you won't pay any more than that. Yeah. The same can be true if it's hourly. He says he's going to spend 20 hours, but he could probably make an argument that, well, because of your revisions, I had to spend 24, so the yeah. invoice is coming in yeah. more. I think okay. for editing, you could do the hours a little bit easier. In fact, I would encourage people to do that because it's one way of managing the client and the revisions that they have. Yeah. Uh, but for graphics, I think that's where it gets really blurred and it is a little difficult. Yeah, because a lot of time spent on graphics is like development, development, yeah. concepting, sketching out, designing, and then you've got to do all the mechanics of it, the animation and the output. Whereas editing, it's like, you know, you can get in there and you can kind of throw some stuff together and have a rough cut pretty quick. Right. Pretty quick. It's going in afterwards and onlining it that really takes the time and doing the details in that. Yeah. So I can see that graphics would be, would be tough. I remember we're quoting on some jobs for Bloomberg Asia. And, you know, we had sort of an idea of the quote of what the actual cost of making the spot would be, but it was the pre-production, which was such an unknown because, you know, you're coming up with a look and a feel and everything from zero, and yeah. it's just coming out of somebody's head, and you've got to give that to client. You could go through revisions and revisions and revisions and revisions until you get it. Once you get it, then it's easier to sort of, okay, let's make it, let's make it, I can cost that out, but it's this whole conceptualizing stage that's very hard to put a number to. Yeah. And I mean, that brings us right back to the beginning of our uh, podcast, which is creative is not valued as much as everything else, like labor and manifest. Yeah. You know? yeah. It really is, I guess, because you can't see it. Clients no. can't see it. So they don't know how to put a value onto it. So, yeah, I mean, I try to do that. I try to charge for my prep time or my script writing time. I try to put that in there as yeah. well because you know even you know booking travel and arranging and meetings all that stuff has to go in there because that's your time yeah okay cool well that seems to wrap up quoting then if we brought it all the way back around that's a good time to stop there don't you think we can go on forever so <laughs> maybe we'll need to do like a part two kind of thing <laughs> well here's a good thing if you've got some questions that you want to ask us about quoting in particular i'm sure berman's got the answer so just uh submit it to us you know in the comments or you can email us or you can find us on facebook or anywhere and just uh let's just let us know i don't know if i have the answer but i have a suggestion that's what i have <laughs> <laughs> well that'll work okay so moving on to our final segment here it's like new gear that i'm gonna get uh and berman's gonna talk me out of it yeah and if this was a video you'd see me shaking my head why? Okay, first of all, let me tell you, I am going to be purchasing a Manfrotto aluminum video monopod. About <sighs> 400 US dollars. 400 US dollars and you have one less or two less legs. I don't know about <laughs> that. To me, the monopod is like a perm. Everybody wants one, but most people that get it realize it's a bad idea. I used to think that way, and I was so, I don't even know why, with just like the arrogance of being in video or whatever, it'd be like, oh, monopod, what is that? You know, you go handheld, that's what you need to do. Yeah. But cameras have changed so much that you can't really do handheld like you used to be able to do with traditional ENG cameras where you had the support of your shoulder. That is Now true. everything's kind of out in front of you in your center of gravity there in front, and... 
even if you've got it rigged up, you're still going to get some shakes. That's the part where I do have to agree with you. Like, I remember when we first started, it's the cameras over the shoulder. And when you get the handheld, you get that feel of this, mm-hmm. you know, there's still some steadiness to the whole thing. And nowadays, yeah. the cameras, like you said, they're just handheld in your hand and you're just holding it with two arms. I've had people keep on asking me, how do you do it? Like, do you, can you buy the rigs? that put it on your shoulder, which I don't really like because there's no counterbalance in the back of your shoulder. It's still sure. front heavy, right? So I get where you're getting at in terms of getting a monopod uh, to kind of replicate that handheld with a bit of steadiness. But to me, that's just a tilted angle. Really? <laughs> yeah, because when you're handheld, you want that movement. You want that fluidness. But once you put the monopod, you lose the y-axis. And then your x-axis becomes a tilt left and right, which means once you tilt to one side, it becomes tilted. The other side, it becomes tilted as well. So it's a tilted camera. Hmm. I still disagree. When I was shooting in San Diego, the cameraman showed up. I didn't even ask for a monopod. But I said that we would be doing uh, quite a bit of, you know, moving shots. Yeah. Um, And he brought this monopod. And it was a Manfrotto one. And it's not just a... Uh, knob at the end it's actually got three little legs little feet actually that kick out the side so he's got good support there and he can move around and he put a c100 on there and here is the kicker for me he put a 70 to 200 mil lens on there and he got me beautiful shots super tight super and when you're that tight you can't see that you've lost the y-axis you're just floating around and if you have your tilt you can you can get all of that movement in there and i was like wow I could never shoot handheld with my 70 to 200 with my Sony A7S in that rig and get that look. There'd either be shakes or it would just be too heavy and physically I couldn't do it for very long. But with this monopod, he shot for two days. So he's still running and gunning. That's the difference between using that versus a full-on tripod. Yeah, the tripod was just like, yeah, he couldn't be running around the event as as easily. And yeah, no, with the tripod, you're still, it's a floating shot. It's not necessarily handheld where you can do those big swings and stuff like that. Right. Okay. Okay. Because, you know, it would be really cool if they made a monopod that had a bit of a spring at the bottom so that you could, you know, take like a shock absorber so that when you put it down, maybe that's what we're looking for. Maybe someone needs to invent that. Well, maybe these feet kind of have it because it was pretty, oh, yeah? it was pretty soft there and it can lean and that. So it's not like very rigid. So it was, okay. I was, I was, I was like blown away and I was like, you know what? That's the next thing on my list. Wow. Okay. I got to see this footage. Maybe, maybe once I see it, I'll change my mind. Okay. Well, that's our show. That's what we have uh, planned. That's it. I, is there anything else we left out? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that's everything. Great. Well, until next time, I guess. Yeah, you don't forget to check us out at videotwins.com. Uh, let us know if you have any questions or topics you want us to talk about or any guests that you'd like to see on the show so you can find out how they got their gig. It's all at videotwins.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning. You don't know how important it is for us to have you guys uh, listen to us. Very important for Berman. He needs this. He needs this reinforcement all the time. I do, don't I? <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, thank you very much. That's our show. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Take care.